0: Let's pray. Father, as we open your Word together today, we ask, Spirit of God, that you would flow through your word and into our lives. Take those words that you wrote so long ago and bring them to life in our lives and in the lives of others. Give us hearts and minds and spirits that are receptive to your voice and yours alone. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. We start back today by having Covenant Sunday. You know, covenants are really important. They're vital in Scripture. And today I want to look at what covenant is really all about. We live with so many different rules, don't we? Everywhere we go, we've just come out of the pandemic where the rules have been somewhat relaxed. Can we have the next screen, please? But well, we have rules for everything. When you're on the road, you see this, don't you? Give way. And you're expected to stop. And when somebody doesn't stop at a give way sign, everybody else starts banging their horns and accidents happen, right? There are other signs as well, not just for the road, but for pedestrians and cyclists. You have to, you're told where you have to walk, where you have to ride. I've been riding my bike a lot lately. And it's one of those irritating things when pedestrians walk in the cycle lane where it's clearly marked where they are to walk, and yet there they are with their headphones on wandering down the cycle lane, and you're not sure whether to swerve to the inside or to the outside. We're told where we have to walk. What else are we told? Well, we're told we know that symbol, don't we? Where you have to wear your masks, where you can take your masks off and so on. What else? We're told where to go so often. Go this way. We said today, come in through the link, we still have to do our risk assessments and we go out through the main door out the back. Right, don't come in that way. Amin will be there and he'll say no entry, go round. Right, you have to come through and we still have these one-way systems in operation. And there's other rules about things you can't do no kissing allowed it says you know i don't know where that was found but there are rules and rules and rules and rules are helpful aren't they imagine if there were no rules in the road anybody been to uh, ghana or to nigeria right i've been there well i've been to ghana there didn't seem to be any rules at all we were driving down a dual carriageway going this way And somebody decided to drive that way up the middle of two lanes of traffic because they thought it was easier than the gridlock on the other side of the highway. And there just seemed to be no rules about where to go. You just get there anywhere you can. Rules are good because they establish kind of an order which blesses all of us, doesn't it? When we obey the rules of the road, we get to where we want to get to a lot quicker than if there was just complete chaos out there. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God as well. Can we have the next screen? In God, in His covenant, there are two kinds of kingdoms that the Bible talks about there's the kingdom of this world. The kingdom, in other words, that we see all around us, the physical kingdom, the kingdom of flesh and blood, the kingdoms that we live under. And there are different rules depending on which kingdom you live in. I've lived in Canada. There are different rules in Canada. You can't go and just, you know, stand at a bus stop, flag down buses like you can. You can't, you know, it doesn't work quite the same way. And when I got there, I felt like a little child, I remember, because I didn't understand how anything worked. And I thought, because it's similar, because we speak the same language and everything, it would all work exactly the same way. It doesn't. And so I had to learn a new set of rules when I was there. If you go... You know, I lived in Uganda and places like that. The rules are completely different. The way things work works for them, but it's not the same as it is here. But there's also another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has a way in which it works just like the kingdoms of this world. Jesus said that he is from a different kingdom. In the Bible, in John's Gospel, When he was talking, John chapter 18, verse 36 and 37, he's before Pilate, and this is what Jesus said. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but now my kingdom is from another place. And he says, you're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus says, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus is saying, I have a kingdom, but it's not the same as the kingdom down here. It's a different kind of kingdom. And there are, just as there are ways in which the kingdoms of this world work There are ways in which the kingdom of God works, and if we want to access the blessings of the kingdom of God, we have to understand the way the kingdom works. You with me? Okay, let's carry on. Both have sets of laws. Both work in different ways. If you keep clicking on the screen. So as I said, we have laws that work down here. We have laws, a different set of laws, a different set of ways in which it works in the kingdom of God. And we need to understand those ways if we are to access the blessings. Now, we have to understand that God's covenants are central, therefore, to his relationship with us. If we want to understand how God has a relationship with you and with me, he does it through this particular way, through these covenants. And he uses these covenants to accomplish his purposes. Our reading today is from Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. I'd encourage you, if you can, to bring your own Bibles with you each week to church. Bring your own ones, and then you can read along in your own Bibles. The words will be up on the screen here. But let's read Deuteronomy 29. Now this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel just before they're entering into the promised land. Just before they cross the river and he renews the covenant that God has with the people of Israel, the covenant that was given up on Mount Sinai. And he renews it to the people here. And this is what he says. He says, These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab, in addition to the covenant he made with them at Horeb. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all his land. With your own eyes, you saw those great trials, those signs and great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands or eyes that see or ears that hear. Yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. When you reached this place, Zion king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan came out to fight against us, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. Thanks be to God for his word today. So the question then is, well then, what does that really mean? How how do we operate under God's covenant? The first thing is we need to understand that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Let me read to you from the Psalms, Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. Says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Everything belongs to God. This is a vital concept for us to understand. It's a key for us to understand covenants. Everything belongs to God. That means that you do not, I do not own anything. There's a radical difference between the things that we own and the things that we don't own. I live in the manse. I don't own the house. When I came here, Trinity Church didn't say to me, we have a gift for you. We would like to give you this house, free of its yours. Because if the house was mine... What happens? Well, then you can start thinking about what you do to the house. Well, we could knock through this wall here. We could knock from the front to the back, and we could make it a nice kitchen, diner area here. We could put an ensuite upstairs, hot tub in the garden. We could do whatever we like, right? That's what we do when we own things. But you can't do that if you just have responsibility for it, but you don't own it, right? I couldn't come to the board and say, oh, by the way, while I was on sabbatical, I had this bright idea back in May. I've decided to knock through in the manse and put an ensuite upstairs, so I just went ahead and did it. Well, they might be quite pleased, actually, but, you know, but you can't just do that. Oh, I decided just, you know, we'll extend it another floor at the top, and we'll do this and do that and do the other. No, you, you have to get permission, you have, because you don't own the thing. And in our relationship with God, God is saying, you know what? You own nothing. God owns everything. Which means that we have the responsibility to manage. We are called stewards in the Bible. Stewards of everything that God has placed into our care. You understand? And therefore, it's a radically different mindset. I heard about uh, somebody told me the other day they they were out. um, They said I think it was a an aunt of theirs was given the responsibility of a dog to look after while a friend went away on holiday. It was not their dog, right? But they had the responsibility. Have you ever? Have you ever ever happened to you? It's awful. All you can think about is, I hope this dog doesn't die, right? And you won't believe what happened. The dog saw a squirrel in the garden, ran headlong into the glass French doors, broke the French doors, dropped dead. It's not a laughing matter this poor woman who had the responsibility to hand this beloved pet back at the end of their friend's holiday had to report that the dog died and they had to replace their French doors. If the dog is yours, it's a sad event, right? But you can go, well, these things happen, I just replaced the door. But to manage to have that responsibility for someone else, that's a different... Imagine the guilt that they felt and the, I'm so sorry. Like, I mean, it's not their fault, right? But it's, it's different. And we need to understand this. God has entrusted us with everything in the world around us. But it's not yours and it's not mine. And there is a big danger when we start saying my to things. You know the difference between a steward and an owner? An owner says, my. This is my church. This is my job. This is my bank account. This is my car. This is my house. This is my, 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 my. When we say that, if we're not careful, what we mean is, I own this, and I can do what I like with it because it's mine. But God says, everything belongs to Him. You're stewards. And if you want to walk in the covenant of God, you need to get this concept. You need to understand this, and this needs to become a reality in your life and in my life, that I own nothing. Everything that I enjoy around me has been given by God and therefore is under the instruction of God to be used by him. You understand? Listen to yourself this week, because the world bombards us with my. You just need this. You just want this. You just have this, and everything will be fantastic. God says, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Because as soon as you start saying, my, 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 you walk outside of the covenant of God, your thinking becomes different. And when that happens, the blessings that come from the covenant of God will dry up immediately. Listen to your language this week. I'd encourage you to do this. Listen to your language and see how many times you say, my, this, and my, that. Now, sometimes we say it because it's just more convenient. It saves a whole long sentence, right? I'm going to my church instead. You know, people say, oh, I'm the pastor of Trinity Church, you know, instead of Trinity Church is the church where I serve. This is my church. Instead of this is the church to which I attend, you see the difference, though? It's so easy for, when we say that, for that mentality to start sinking in. And then we start having ownership. And then what happens here is what I want to happen here. And it's not about God anymore. And it's all about me. The words of the covenant that we will say later, the first thing it says, I am no longer my own but yours. I am no longer my own. But yours. Everything belongs to you. We are managers, stewards we don't own. Second thing we need to understand is that God's covenant-making is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. Verse 1, he says, The terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites. It's not optional. It is the way that God has chosen to operate. You see, God works in this world through this covenant relationship. And he says, if you're going to become part of this covenant relationship, then you have to work in the way that the covenant tells you to work. If you want to step outside of the covenant, there are consequences to it. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, the next chapter, let me read you just the first few verses. He said, When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come upon you, and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes, and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. And then verse 6, he says, The Lord will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. This is the way that God has ordained for things to work. And we are given a choice either to work under the covenant with God or to work outside of it. But if you want the blessings that come from being in a covenantal relationship with God, you have to work under the covenant. It's what the people of Israel tried to learn. They had to learn. It's, it's where they went, the, the whole journey of the people of Israel through the Old Testament. is what you see. You step outside the covenant, there are serious consequences. But then there's always forgiveness that brings you back into the covenant relationship again. God is a covenant-making God. And right from Adam and Eve, right through the whole of the Scriptures, he's making covenants with his people. And he says, this is the way you are to work. This is the way you need to, to live your life if you want to receive the blessing. The next one is that the goal of covenant is always the same. It's that greater intimacy with God. Verse 6 that I just read, he says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and live. God's covenant is for one purpose. He says, I want you to respond in this way. I want you to do these things that I'm asking you to do. Why? Because that will give you greater intimacy with me. And when you have greater intimacy with me, what happens is you get greater blessing that's flowing into your life. He says, I want, I want you just to have that so that this greater blessing upon blessing upon blessing will come into your life. Verse 9, he says, in chapter 29, carefully follow this, the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. God wants us to have that greater intimacy Think for a moment. It says in verse 5 that God led them through the wilderness. Why why do we go through wilderness times? Hands up if you've ever felt like you've been in a wilderness. Yeah, all of us, right? There are spiritual wildernesses out there. There are are physical wildernesses sometimes. Now, why? Why did God lead them into the wilderness? Why? It says he, he led them. He led them there. Why? Why would he do that? Well, sometimes there's two reasons. We'll talk about this in greater detail in a few weeks' time. But sometimes we go through wildernesses because we're disobedient. God tells us to do something, and we say, thanks, but no thanks, and we go our merry way. And we say, you know what? I'm not going to do what God wanted me to do because I just don't really want to do it. You know what God does? He waits. He waits. He says, I'm eternal and I can outlast you. So what God does is he sits over here and he says, I'll wait for you to come back and do what I asked you to do the first time. People of Israel, it it would have taken them a couple of months, maybe, to walk into the promised land. But the reality was it took them 40 years. Why? Because God sat there and said, I've asked you what I want you to do. I've told you where you need to go. I've told you what I wanted you to do and how you're going to do it. And the people of Israel just carried on going their own little way, going, no, we're not going to do that. We don't really want to do it. No, it's not really going to happen. No, we don't really believe what God said. No, it's not a reality. And God says, I'll just wait. I'll wait till this generation passes away and there'll be another generation that will come up and they will be the ones that come in. I can outlast you guys. Because I am infinite, I've got all the time. Full stop. Because I created it, so He waits, and sometimes some of us have been in wildernesses a long time because we've been disobedient, and God just sitting there waiting, wait until you do what I told you to do, and when you do that, then I'll move. Then you'll start seeing the blessing come in. Then you'll start seeing what I asked you, you know, what I what I promised to you. In the first place. The second reason, though, sometimes He leads us into wildernesses to teach us things. In fact, they're always linked anyway, but sometimes it's not because we are going the wrong way, but we go through wilderness experiences. We go through hard times because He has led us and He wants us to learn things. And generally, what He wants us to learn is to trust Him, to be dependent upon Him. To recognize who he is, look at what it says here. It says, I led you into the wilderness, and you had this amazing pair of shoes when you started off. And guess what? You walked for 40 years, and you didn't have to buy another pair. That's the kind of shoe I want, right? And not only that, you had this amazing outfit. And that never wore out either. You didn't have to put any patches on the elbows, nothing on the rear end because you sat down to It never wore out. And God said, I led you here to teach you some lessons, but I protected you through it. And I helped you through it. And I was with you through it. And I was blessing you through it. And sometimes we go through these things to learn lessons that he wants us to learn because we can't learn in any other way except through those we'll talk more about that in a number of weeks time but why why do we do this Well, look at what it says it says so that you may see and understand and hear more about who he is James 1 says it doesn't it so beautifully Consider it pure joy, my friends, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When God brings a trial your way, that's why he wants you to grow. And lastly... We need to live under the covenant. As I've said before, to gain the blessings of the covenant. It's the same as living in the law here. You live in the United Kingdom, if you abide by the rules, you gain the blessings of living here, right? And there are many, many blessings about living in this country. But you've got to remain within the rules, otherwise you get punished. Right? You can't go down to the shops and just go, I fancy that, so I'm going to have it and take it. What happens? You get pastor arrested for shoplifting, right? You can't go speeding at 120 miles an hour through the center of Harrow because you're in a hurry. Pastor gets his license taken away for excessive speeding, right? You have to abide by the rules But when you do that, you receive the blessings of living in this country. In the same way, we have to abide by the rules of God. You want to receive the blessings of the covenant, the blessings of God? He calls it in verse 9, I will prosper you. And he's not just talking financially. He's talking in every area of your life. I will make you prosper, he says. Just read. When you get home, read Deuteronomy 28. It has the blessings and the cursings. The blessings are all the things that God promises if you follow him, if you live under the covenant, if you do what he asks you to do. And he says there are serious consequences if you don't. And it's the same for you and me. He says, I will bless you, I will prosper you if you do the things I'm asking you to do. John 15, the vine and the branches, what does he say? You do what I ask you to do. You remain attached to the vine. I'm going to grow you into amazing fruit. You don't do what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to just cut you off and throw you away because you're pointless. Right? He says it all the way through. Ananias and Sapphira and so many examples in Scripture. We need to learn how to be obedient to the covenant of God. And what is the covenant of God? How do you know? Basically, it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to the Spirit of God. They will always be in harmony with one another. The Spirit will never turn against the Word of God. Ephesians 6, put on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? They're always in harmony. They're always saying the same message. So listen to what the Spirit says to you. Check it out through the scriptures. And when you do that, when you start walking in the way of God, then the blessings of being in that covenantal relationship with him start to fall into your life. When you have that stewardship mindset, the God I am just here, everything I have is yours. I am here to do what you're asking me to do. I am here to offer everything back to you because it's yours anyway. And I just want to honor you with everything that you've given to me. Everything that you continue to pour into my life, I want to honor you. in My relationships, in the things that, that I, I think I own, in, in, in my job, in my, in my family, in my relationships, in everything that I have. Lord, I want to just honor it and give it all to you. Let me use it for your glory. Let me use it to bring you honor. Let me use it in the way that you have asked me to use it. That's living under the covenant. And he says, then your prayers will be answered. You will be able to hear. Then you will start to see supernatural things where the Spirit uses you to bring blessing to others. You will see these things happening. And the mysteries of God, when you start to read Scripture, you'll start to to have insight and gain insight into the Scriptures, you'll gain that kind of understanding that only comes from God. That becomes a reality in your life. Today is the Covenant Sunday. The covenant that we read is not a covenant you'll find in Scripture. I have them on the cards here. You can take one in a little while. It's not in the Bible per se, but it is a desire when we say this to come and to live under God's covenant. God is longing for you to pray this prayer today. There's nothing that would bring God more pleasure for you today than if you were to pray this prayer. I am no longer my own but yours your will will not mine be done in all things, wherever you may place me in all that I do and in all that I may endure. When there is work for me and when there is none, when I am troubled and when I am at peace, your will be done. When I am valued and when I'm disregarded, when I find fulfillment and when it's lacking, when I have all things and when I have nothing, I willingly offer all I have and am to serve you as and where you choose. Glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. May it be so forever. Let this covenant now made on earth be fulfilled in heaven. God longs for you to pray that today. But it's a prayer that will enter you into a covenantal relationship with him. And the one thing I know about God is he won't be mocked. It's so easy for us to stand here today and pray this prayer and to go out and start acting as though it never happened tomorrow. The Bible says, you know what? There are consequences when you enter into covenants. God longs for you and me to pray this prayer, but don't pray it lightly. Don't pray it if you can't fulfill it. Don't come to God and say, yeah, God, I'm going to do this, and then tomorrow forget all about it and go back to, you know what, it's my life, I'm going to do what I like with it. Because God says, you know what, there are serious consequences when you make a covenant relationship with God and then you walk away. Just read your Bible. You'll see what they are. Joshua 24:15. Joshua said to the people of Israel when he was renewing the same covenant, he said, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And you will then see the blessings that God bestowed on Joshua throughout his life. God longs for you to pray this prayer today. But I want you to do it. I want you to take one of these home because it's a reality for you. Because put this up at home and remind yourself day in and day out, this is what I've covenanted with God to do. Because if you walk with the covenant relationship with God, you'll start to see the blessings of God flow into your life and through your life into others. But if you pray this, and you carry on living your own way, don't come running to me. Come running back to God and ask for forgiveness. But that is a beautiful thing, you know. The beautiful thing about this passage was in, in Deuteronomy 30, he said, when you mess up, you can come back, and I'll restore you. Because all of us will, right? I'll mess up, you'll mess up, There'll be times when I grab hold of things and go, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. I want to do it my way, God. And God says, David, oh, just turn back to me. And I'll have to come back on my knees and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I f- forgive me. And God says, welcome back. Like the prodigal, right? Welcome back. You come back into the, fo- welcome. Now I can start pouring blessing into your life again. Now your prayers will start to be answered. Now the spirit will start to flow. Now I give you understanding and insight and wisdom in matters that you, you don't even think possible. Phil, can you play for a moment? I want you to think right now. I want you to pray right now. Pray with me. Father, we want to thank you for your word today. Lord, as we come and as we make this commitment to you at the start of a new chapter in our lives here at the church, Lord, confirm in me this is what you're asking me to do. This is what I know is your delight, but Lord, let me not do this in a half-hearted way. Oh Lord, I, I long to receive from you, whatever that means. I, I long to re- have my prayers answered because they're your prayers. I, I long to see your spirit flowing through me and bringing transformation and change into people's lives and into my life. I long to read your word and gain insight and inspiration from it that I see things I've never seen before because your spirit is, is revealing your word to me. Lord, I long for all these things. So, Lord, as I pray this prayer, may it become a reality where I own things, Lord, change my heart so that I may be a steward and release everything to you. The world is the Lord's and everything in it. Search me and know my heart, know my inmost thoughts. Forgive me when I hang on to things. Material things, relational things, myself even. Positions. Lord, I give it to you. Let's just spend a few moments acquire just allow God to examine our hearts. As we prepare to say these words together, so I'd invite those who who desire to have that depth of relationship with God, to renew that covenantal relationship with Him. I invite you to stand, and we will say together the words. Don't stand because the person next to you is standing. If you're not there yet, that's, that's okay. Just This is between you and God. But for those that want to renew themselves, that want to recommit themselves, that want to say, Lord, I want to walk under that covenantal relationship with you. I want to do what you're asking me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. I want to live my life for you Then let's stand, and we're going to say those words together. This is between you and God, not anyone else. So let's pray. I am no longer my own, but yours. Your will, not mine, be done in all things. Wherever you may place me, in all that I do, and in all that I may endure. When there is work for me, and when there is none, when I am troubled, and when I am at peace, your will be done. When I am valued, and when I am disregarded, when I find fulfillment, and when it is lacking, When I have all things, and when I have nothing, I willingly offer all I have and am to serve you, as and where you choose. Glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. May it be so forever. Let this covenant now made on earth be fulfilled in heaven. Amen.